0: Blast the right Greetings this is podcast number 63 of Blast the right I'm Jack Clark from therationalradical.com www.therationalradical.com Today, in the main segment, we'll discuss how the right wing is perfectly happy to poison the air all of us must breathe. Next, I'll give you a quick blast with an amazing wealth inequality statistic that's perfect to throw in the face of your friendly local right winger. To close, we'll go over some listener email. There's even some new bumper music. Let's get right into it. Here's the lead paragraph in a recent story about the right wing's seeming effort to poison us all. Quote, the Environmental Protection Agency's administrator on Thursday rejected the recommendations of his staff and an unusual public plea from independent science advisors, choosing instead to tighten only one of two standards regulating the amount of lethal particles of soot in the air. Close quote. A bit of background so you can understand the full gravity of this. My sources for this segment are The New York Times, MedicalNewsToday.com, PBS.org, and The Associated Press. Soot particles, formerly known as fine particulate matter, are less than 130th the diameter of a human hair. These minute particles come from power plants from heavy industry, and from automobile tires and exhaust pipes. Before I learned about this, I figured, soot, no big deal. You can just wipe it up when you dust. Wrong. It's not just an annoyance. If you breathe soot in, soot can, quote, penetrate deep into the lungs and circulatory system, close quote, and then it will, quote, lodge in the lungs and blood vessels, close quote. Not good. In fact, soot is one of the most lethal toxins that the public is regularly exposed to. Coronary and respiratory disease caused by soot kills tens of thousands of people in this country every year. Soot kills tens of thousands. Clearly, some government action is called for here. And the Federal Clean Air Act does set limits on soot. Estimates are that these limits save 15,000 people every year from death due to soot-related heart and lung diseases. Now every five years, the Environmental Protection Administration is supposed to take a look at the standards and make revisions if the latest science warrants doing so. The first standards were established in 1997 under Clinton. But no new standards had been issued since then. Under Clinton, the first ones are established. So the new review should have been in 2002, no? But with the Bushians in charge, is foot-dragging on an environmental issue at all surprising? A court had to order the Bush administration to issue new rules. There are two rules involved here, a short-term daily standard and an annual limit the short-term standard addresses acute exposures, the annual standard, chronic exposure. On the short-term standard, the Bush EPA did reduce the allowable limits significantly, decreasing, quote, the maximum particle pollution considered safe during a 24-hour period from 60 micrograms per cubic meter to 35, close quote. But on the annual standard, arguably the more important one for effects on long-term health, the Bushians chose to leave the 1997 standard intact at 15 micrograms per cubic meter. This is despite the fact that, quote, in a rare display of solidarity, all but two of the 22 members of the agency's Clean Air Scientific Advisory Council had urged that the long-term standard be lowered to a range of 12 to 14 micrograms per cubic meter from 15, close quote. The Bush EPA ignored its own experts. This decision was condemned in the strongest terms by various advocacy groups and experts in the field. Clean Air Watch is an environmental lobbying group. Its head, Frank O'Donnell, said, quote, Particle soot kills more people than any other form of air pollution, and this EPA decision will allow particle soot to continue killing many thousands of Americans that would be spared if the air were cleaned up. Close quote. Then you have Harvard School of Public Health epidemiologist Joel Schwartz. Schwartz is author of many published peer-reviewed articles on the dangers of soot and other particulates. He said if the Bush EPA had followed the recommendation of its own science advisors on the annual standard, 3,000 lives would be saved annually. 3,000 premature deaths would be avoided. We could avoid a September 11th level death toll by following the scientists' advice. But no, the right-wingers apparently don't care. Of more concern to them is higher industry profits, as you might expect the majority of energy industry campaign contributions go to the GOP. Medical professionals have also had a strongly negative reaction to the decision of the Bush EPA. Quote, Johnny Hefner, MD, president of the American Thoracic Society, today called new standards issued by the Environmental Protection Agency for Fine Particulate Matter Pollution, more commonly known as soot, inadequate and demonstrably unhealthy. The science is clear, Dr. Hefner said. People develop respiratory disorders and those with existing lung, heart, and other chronic diseases die prematurely because they are exposed to these microscopic pollutants at levels well below those set by the EPA today. Close quote. The American Medical Association rarely gets involved in these issues. But it felt compelled to write a letter not only agreeing with the EPA's own experts on what the new long-term rule should be, but arguing that the daily standard should be even further reduced from what the EPA's experts said. Like so many actions of the fanatical right-wingers populating our government, what the EPA did here was unprecedented, according to Bill Becker. He speaks on behalf of many state and local air pollution officials. Quote, for the first time in its 36-year history, EPA has ignored the recommendations of its independent scientific advisors as well as agency staff experts in setting health-based air quality standards. Quote. What's 36 years to the Bushians? They're happy to wipe out hundreds of years of precedent on habeas corpus. Now, what do the right-wingers and those on whose behalf they rule have to say about this all. Lots of the usual mealy-mouthed, obfuscatory claptrap. The head of the Bush EPA, Stephen Johnson, said there was, quote, insufficient evidence, close quote, that long-term exposure to soot caused health problems. Say what? Is the Bush EPA listening to the same experts who told the tobacco industry what they wanted to hear? that tobacco was not addictive and did not cause lung cancer? Johnson then engaged in the usual, the exact opposite is true, right-wing style of speaking. Quote, Wherever the science gave us a clear picture, we took clear action. All Americans deserve to breathe clean air, and through these more protective standards, that is exactly what we are delivering today. Except for the thousands of people who will unnecessarily die every year because the standards are far too lax. But forget about those people. Industry spokespersons chimed in with some incomprehensible blather of their own. Here's the Electric Power Institute's Ron Wisga. He's a scientist and a biostatistician. He said that a review of health studies showed that, quote, There's no magic number saying what a standard should or shouldn't be. So it's a matter of judgment, and different people have different judgments, close quote. A scientist wrote that? What does he think we're talking about? Picking a color to paint the living room wall? Finally, I'll close on possibly the most widely used right-wing tactic when they're forced to take some action on a given issue. It's the things-are-better-than-yesterday line they use to defend themselves. Which ignores whether things are as good as they should be. EPA head Johnson said, quote, The bottom line is these air standards are more protective today than they were yesterday. Close quote. Waxing rhapsodically, Johnson declared that his new rules were quote, the most health protective national air standards in U.S. history. Close quote. That's not the issue. It's like when right-wingers doubled the amount of oxygen that mining companies are required to provide coal miners in case they become trapped underground. They doubled the amount, and true, it was the highest amount ever in U.S. history. But the right-wingers merely increased the supply from one hour to two hours, while experts said 20 to 30 hours were needed because miners are not usually rescued for a full day or two. It's the best standard so far, but it's still totally inadequate given current knowledge of what's required. Same here with the soot regulations. They may be the best so far, but they're totally inadequate given current knowledge of what's required. The American Thoracic Society issued a statement reading in part, In the nearly 10 years since the agency last set a national standard for particulate pollution, a growing body of research has demonstrated that adverse health effects, including increased respiratory disease and higher mortality rates, occurred from pollution levels below the standard, EPA issued today. Literally hundreds of peer-reviewed studies, said Dr. Hefner, have been published in scientific journals during that time, which have reached a similar conclusion. Particulate air pollution causes death and disease at levels significantly below the standard that the EPA now says is safe. Close quote. A growing body of research. Hundreds of peer-reviewed studies. Not enough for the right-wingers, apparently. Ignore the science and spout half-truths. The right-wing way to not protect us from lethal environmental dangers.
1: There's a Vietnam vet with a cardboard sign Sitting there by the left turn line A flag on his wheelchair flapping in the breeze One leg missing and both hands free No one's paying much mind to him The VA budget's just stretched so thin And there's more coming back from the Mideast War We can't make it here anymore that big old building was a textile mill It fed our kids and it paid our bills But they turned us out and they closed the doors We can't make it here anymore You see those pallets piled up on the loading dock just
0: gonna... Here's a quick blast for you A simple fact you can throw in the face of your friendly local right winger My sources are an article by Holly Sklar published on CommonDreams.org, and statistics on the website FairEconomy.org. Many of you are familiar with a statistic I often state, that 10% of the U.S. population owns 70% of the wealth, which means 90% of the people have to get by on only 30% of the wealth, and there's just not enough there for society's needs. Unfortunately... Many people's eyes glaze over as soon as they hear percentages. And I'm always looking for new ways to get people to see the dramatic wealth inequality in this country in a way they can readily understand. I found one that will, I think, work with many people. It is that the 400 richest Americans, all billionaires, have as much wealth as the entire bottom half of the nation. Those 400 families have as much wealth as 57 million other American families. Jaw-dropping, isn't it? The 400 richest Americans own assets worth $1.25 trillion. That's $1,250 billion. Not $13 billion or $130 billion, but $1,250 billion. The same as the combined wealth of 57 million other American families. 400 versus 57 million. Even a right winger can do that math. Ask him or her, how can they expect the society to be sustainable, let alone cohesive and a decent place to live, if such obscene wealth inequality is allowed to continue, or even get worse as it has been doing.
1: So you wear the vestments of ill-gotten legacy. Bankrolled by CEOs and died by Christian destiny. You give us empty words and flags to rally around. But the rest of it, don't saying, to trickle down to the streets of hopeless faces, mortgage and foreclosure. Part time jobs, forsaken by the HMOs, sucking up the
0: from another progressive podcaster.
2: The Avalon Farmcast. Progressive ideas, interviews, and discussions from a gay and lesbian perspective. How are the issues facing all Americans today? Impacting I'm a veteran. I signed up people. to serve my country in the Women's Army Corps, but they found me in a gay bar. and I The got Avalon Farmcast. Early. Two lesbians living on the land and changing the world one starfish at a time. My partner sharing and I have raised a daughter events and, and she has two mommies. And Sharing farm tips from the garden and the horse arena. We love horses and we're living back with Mother Nature we love the on a farm and, cruising and building Olivia community. And going to Michigan we pay basketball. our taxes and we vote. Tune in to the Avalon Farmcast out loud on the internet. And outside on the John Deere. The Avalon Farmcast is podcasting from the buckle of the Bible Belt in Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Today we have two emails. The first one is from Jamie, a listener in Salt Lake City, Utah. Here are some excerpts Quote, It's a relief knowing that there are sane, like-minded people living in this country. I especially enjoy hearing your rants about how we treat South America and basically any other countries less developed than ours. My husband, Irving, was born in Venezuela and moved to the United States with his family when he was 16. He told me that the main reason why his family left Venezuela was because of the instabilities in his country. There were a couple of times in his young life when the military would remove their president from office. During these military coups, no one could leave their houses because they were threatened with physical harm by the militia. They couldn't go to school, the grocery store, or even the doctors during these periods. Irving later came to find out that the only reason why their presidents were being removed was due to the fact that the United States government didn't like them, not the people of Venezuela. Finding this out angered me like no other, and I've been researching it ever since. In the United States, we have people who don't like immigrants from South and Central America, but immigrants from European countries are all right. The people who are anti-Latino immigration don't realize that most, if not all, of the reasons why people are willing to leave their home countries and most of their family is due to the fact that we've caused so much chaos and poverty. Close quote. How true. The U.S. role in creating death-causing extreme poverty in the third world was discussed in detail in Podcast 56, which was entitled Class Warfare International Style, The Right-Wing's Assault Against the World's Poor. Jamie doesn't just write to me, she seeks converts where she lives. Referring to Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, she says, Quote, when I talk about Chavez at work, I get angry with people's ignorance. They get what I like to call reefer madness. This is a reference to the movie of the same name. In regards to communism, at the first sign of a president trying to do anything to hurt an American corporation, they're automatically communists. Close quote. This brings to mind the famous saying of a Roman Catholic archbishop in Brazil, Dom Helder Camara. Quote, when I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. Close quote. Jamie goes on, quote, I've tried pointing out how evil our foreign policy is and had given the most recent example of how we, through the World Bank, privatized the water in Bolivia, and only one person believed me that we would do such a thing. I was trying to explain to my coworkers that things aren't always what they seem and that you have to dig for the truth. According to them, you can't always believe what you read on the internet, but for them you can always rely on Fox News. Some people seem genetically programmed to glom onto BS. Close quote. Genetically programmed to glom onto BS. Yes, they do seem that way, don't they? Not a nice image but effective. Despite that, unfortunately somewhat pervasive genetic programming in our nation, Jamie perseveres and has had some success. Quote, I live in the really red state of Utah. Podcasts have been a nice way to find like-minded people to keep myself sane. The only reason why I continue living in a red state is the fact that I could possibly get enough people converted to the truth, that it might be worth putting up with their ignorance. I've already got one person saying that socialized medicine is the only way to go. Close quote. Way to go, Jamie. Way for all of us to go. Blast the right. The right. Blast The right. The right. right. On to the second email. In addition to Jamie, many of you have actually written in that you're engaging right wingers in discussions and debates. Mike from Brooklyn raised a good point I want to share with you to keep in mind during, and maybe especially after, your conversations have ended. Mike was concerned that people's minds don't seem to change, and he offered an explanation as to perhaps why. Quote, I think that part of the reason that nothing changes, according to my conversations with others lately, is that the world has become so very ugly, and the average guy wants to try and ignore the ugliness. People think that they are helpless and can't change it, and or that if they ignore it, it really doesn't affect them. Close quote. What I wrote back to Mike was, quote, Yes, I think you're correct. People just can't deal with how screwed up things are. I think they know, deep down inside, that if they acknowledge how screwed up things are, they'd have to do something about it, and that scares them. Close quote. Beyond that, we shouldn't underestimate the impact of our words, even if it's not readily apparent. Yes, it's often the case that when you talk to a right-winger, or to anyone else that you're disagreeing with about anything, not just politics, the other person, even if it's obvious that you won the debate, won't admit they're wrong or that their position should change. As I put it to my quote, it's hard to get someone to acknowledge that their position has changed while you're speaking with them. Think of it as planting seeds. Sometimes you tell someone something, they argue with you, and the next time you speak with them, they've adopted your position without even remembering where they got that viewpoint from. Close quote. Maybe some of you have had that happen in your life. I'm tempted to tell them, hey, where do you think you got that viewpoint from? But I don't. One time I did, and the person vehemently denied I was the one who had changed his view, and I figured, why even bring it up, as long as they're now on the correct side of the issue? That's what matters. So plant your seeds, and let a thousand progressive trees bloom. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on my podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. Over at Podcast Alley, I'm currently at number 10 and hanging in there by the skin of my teeth. So if you haven't voted yet, please go do so. It's not necessary to leave a comment. Just vote! takes two seconds. A special shout out to all the listeners on WUTZ in Summertown, Tennessee and on KWMD in Kasilof and Anchorage, Alaska. The invitation to vote at podcastalley.com is issued to you as well. I'm happy to announce that the Blast the Right MySpace page is now up. It's at myspace.com slash blasttheright. Right now we have sort of a generic page up Perhaps sometime in the near future, there'll be a snazzier page up, I'm not quite sure yet. But in any case, come on by and let's be friends. Music credits. Bumper Music Was, We Can't Make It Here by James McMurtry. Kill the Poor by Matthew Grimm in the Red Smear. Not the One Blues by Burnshee Thornside. And The Schnee Speaks by Cagey House combined with the alternate Blast the Right Theme. We'll close with a little bit of Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at adelphia.net. If you've written in and I haven't responded, Please be patient, I got a big backlog of mail, but I will answer you. You can call in to leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. I can also be reached on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
1: We had a bond of- And the treasury drawer More than there Had ever been before But every day we're drowning Deeper in debt Maybe four years Should be all you get Then you gave tax breaks To the millionaires And you tried to make The working man pay But you can't tax a man When his job's not there Now look at where we today taking my country back. Son, you ain't been doing her right. Well, I've been watching you and I don't like how you've been treating my stars and stripes. you got too many fancy friends for me. The Saudis treats you like you're